They spoke to me daily, how they guided my steps, but my zeal did not last. And the sweet place of prayer where I met with my Savior, I neglected it so soon, my joys were all past. Let the sun shine again, let the flowers bloom again, stir the embers of love. song, and I'm proud to be here tonight, proud to be in my son's church. What an exciting opportunity this is for me. Uh, when you're raising kids, you know, at the beginning you wonder if you're going to survive or not. Uh, when I had, we had five children, um, and there were times that I was thinking, Lord, is this ever going ever gonna to work out? <laughs> and uh, like I said, I could tell you a lot of stories, but I won't, but... Um, but I tell you, I'm so proud that my son is. Uh, he served at our church for how many? Ten years as an assistant pastor. Uh, actually, the first day we started, 23 years ago, as an eight-year-old boy, he was up on uh, the roof with me, tearing off shingles and working. And he's worked in the church ever since the beginning. Been a wonderful part of our church. And I believe God gave the miracle of this building uh, to prove to me that He was supposed to go. Because I, I love my son and, and his wife and their kids and I wanted him to stay with me and uh, plus be honest he did more of the work around the church than I did so uh, you know your right hand man you kind of get them to do all the hard stuff and uh, but anyhow we're real proud that, that he's here t- uh, at this church and we're excited about what God's going to do uh, here at this church it's just uh, the beginning we were so excited at our church when we first started I don't know if Tom's told you the story or not but we bought an old tavern and turned it into a church, and uh, we were we were excited about the, what God gave us. And then when God gave you got this place cheaper than what we got our place, and we thought it was a miracle when we got our place. And so we know it was a miracle when God gave you this place. And uh, starting uh, Sunday night service is an important thing. Starting a church is an important thing. Uh, years ago, uh, I was uh, lived in a town and. Uh, the churches in that town, they, they would expand and reach out to other areas, especially this was back in the day where a lot of people had to walk to church. You know, things were different back in the old days, and uh, a lot of people only had one car or no car, and 
uh, he had to had to walk to church. So churches expanded all over, and uh, unfortunately, we got to the point where a lot of you know churches are starting to die all over. I want to see them. I wanted our church. We were a brand new church 23 years ago, and when our church turned 21, I thought, you know, uh, just as a, a parent needs to have children, our church needs to have a child. And so we prayed about. We, we'd been praying about Ottawa, Illinois, for a long time. They didn't have a, a real fundamental church over there, and we'd been praying about that. And God brought Brother Paul to our area, and uh, he surrendered to preach. And he came and talked to me about that. And about the same time, Tommy came and talked to me about this town. And like I said, I had mixed emotions about this town because losing him's one thing, but losing my grandkids—that's a whole other, you know, a whole other thing. You know, that's uh, that's only an hour away, but still. Uh, it was nice being able to see my grandkids every day, but uh, and so instead of God giving us one new ch- new church, He gave us two new churches, and and we look at that as a great honor and a great excitement to see what God is going to do. And so uh, I want to share some things with you tonight that I hope will be a help to you uh, as a new work uh, for the Lord. One lesson I learned as a young preacher, uh, in fact, when Tom was in his mother's belly, I was an assistant pastor at a church in Pekin, Illinois, and. Uh, our preacher was one of those guys, he would preach for an hour and a half whether he had anything to say or not. And I used to sit there listening and, and when I was a kid I swung off a rope into a river and hit my backside on a rock and I'm not good at sitting. And I'm sitting there and my backside's not feeling too good and my wife, she's real pregnant with Tommy and uh, she's not feeling too good and the preacher's kind of going on and on and on and I finally I leaned over to her and I said, "Honey, I said if uh, if I ever get like that, shoot me." <laughs> so I, I don't I don't want to I don't ever be like that. Every once in a while I get a little bit long, but I always said I'd rather have people come back and hear three half hour sermons than hear one half one one and a half hour sermon and never want to hear me again. You know, and so so I did that and I thought about a story I heard when about a preacher that had a church out in the country and it snowed real hard and one day only. One person made it to the church. It was an old farmer. And, and the preacher said to the farmer, he says, you're the only one here. Do you want me to still go ahead and preach? And the guy said, well, he said, I'm a farmer. If I had one cow show up, I'd feed it. So the preacher got up and he preached. And again, he went on for about an hour or so. And he got done. And the preacher said, well, sir, what would you think? He said, well, if I only had one cow show up, I wouldn't give it all the food. <laughs> I'd, I'd hold some of it back. So, uh, so I'll try to be... Uh, quick tonight, and uh, but if you'll listen, I know God, God will help you and God will bless you. I've titled tonight's message, Building a Work for the Lord. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58. The Bible says here, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, notice this phrase, always abounding in the work of the Lord. God said we ought to be abounding in the work of the Lord. That ought to be an exciting thing. In our life, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would meet with us here tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the, the music. I thank you for the singing. I thank you for everyone who showed up here tonight. And Lord, here at the beginning of this church, God, I pray something wonderful would happen. I pray, God, that you would cause a revival to come to this church and this town. God, I pray that you'll build a work here that would make a difference in this community 
in this state, Lord, and in our country, Father. We need we need a revival in our country. And God, we pray that You would send it. I pray You'd bless Brother Tom uh, as he works here, God, his wife and his children, all the members here. God, I pray that You'll bless them in a mighty way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you're going to grow, if you're going to build a work for God, you've got to understand, number one, that it is a work. It is a, it's not, too many churches today are just trying to be social gatherings uh, where people get together and have a good time and, and feel good about stuff. That's not what a church is. A church is a work. It is a uh, job. It is a battlefield, the Bible says, that we are, God has chosen us to be soldiers and the devil, uh, he, he's joined a lot of churches, I think, because they've just made things so, uh, just, uh, like I said, a social gathering. We're here to fight for the souls of men and women, boys and girls. Now, uh, I, I hope everybody here tonight saved, but if you're not, this would be a good night to get saved. But if you, if you are saved, we need to reach out and get other people saved. As I said, if, uh, you know, I was, my wife, uh, I come from a family of nine children. I'm number seven of, of nine. Uh, in in our family, and I always I tell my brothers and sisters this, and they don't believe it, but in the Bible, seven is the number of perfection. And so I always try to tell them, but they for some reason they don't agree with that <laughs> uh, with me. Now my wife, she came from a small family, just her and her sister. And what my cousin Ken, uh, he's a preacher. He married her her older sister, and then her and I got married. And her mom and dad only had two children. And now, with what uh, us having kids and Brother Ken, how many? They have eight. They have eight children. And with all of their grandkids, if you put the whole family together, now there's 50 in the family, which is starting with two girls. So that's a, that's a pretty big growth. And that, that's the thing. If, if the world's going to continue, uh, people have to have children. There have to, has to be new life. And too many churches today are dying. Because there's not new life. There's got to be new life. There's got to be people getting saved and got to be growing and working. And again, it was a hard thing this year. I faced a couple hard things this year. My last child got married. So now we had that empty nest kind of thing come up. And it's sad, but to be honest, it's also kind of nice. In some ways, a lot of responsibility gone too. So that part's nice about it. But that and then my son moving away and things. But it shows you that life is going on. There's going to come a day that I'm not going to be here. And my mom and dad, they've both passed away. And now I'm here on this earth. And the day is going to come. The Lord tarries. I'm going to be gone. But I'm glad that my son's still working for God. I'm glad all my kids are in church serving God. And I'm thankful that there's Lighthouse Baptist Church. And there's Liberty Baptist Church. And there's Harvest Baptist Church. And it's part of my ministry. It's part of what our church did. It's expanding. And even if someday, and I pray to God it never happens, but if someday Lighthouse isn't doing what's right and they're not there anymore, Liberty will still be here. And Harvest will still be there. And it will still be going on for us. And so I want to give you just three simple points tonight about how to build uh, a work for the Lord. Uh, we need uh, look at Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and ten. I love this verse of scripture. This is one of my favorite in the Bible. It says, "For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself; it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Thank God that our salvation is a gift. I'm going to heaven tonight." Not because I've been preaching 35 years. I'm going to heaven because I got saved as an 8-year-old boy. 
God gave me the gift of salvation. But when God saved me, notice we love Ephesians verse 8. 2 verse 8, where it says, by grace are we saved. It's a gift. It's a wonderful gift. But why did God save us? God wants us to work for Him. God wants us to serve Him. God wants us to get out there and get busy doing something that God ordained that we should walk in Him. God didn't save me just to take me to heaven. God saved me to use me. God saved me to be a blessing and a help to other people, to love other people, to reach other people with the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has a purpose for my life. It's not for me just to get riches in my life and have a house and have a car and have fame. God put me here for a purpose, for a reason, and that's to reach people with the Gospel. Look at verse 25 of Ephesians. It says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. You know, it's important that if you're married that you love your wife. It's important, ladies, that you love your husband. But we also should love the church. Jesus loved the church. That's an important statement. A lot of people don't understand the importance of the church. Again, coming to this church is not going to get you to heaven. Serving in this church is not going to get you to heaven. But this is what God put on this earth and on this planet for a place for us to show our love for Him. He loved the church. He loves the house of God. It's a place where people get saved. It's a place where lives are being changed constantly. And God wants to save souls. And so tonight... Uh, I want to I want to give you these three things. Number one, recognize the value of the cause. Look at Matthew sixteen twenty six. For what man, what is a man profited, if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Do you realize how much one soul is worth? God said it's worth more than all this world. That's an amazing statement. All the riches of this world, all the pleasures of this world are not to be compared with the value of one soul. There's already been some souls saved here at this church. That's an exciting thought. To God, that's worth everything that He could put. And I don't want to get too deep into a subject, but this is something I want you to think about. You look at everything that goes on in this world for the past 6,000 years, and God looks at all that and says, you know, even all the bad stuff is worth it if we can get one person saved. That's an amazing thought if you think about it. A lot of times when I counsel with people who are going through difficulties, maybe marriage problems or different things of that nature, and I'm talking to them and you know they're feeling like giving up and they're feeling like quitting and all these horrible thoughts are going through their mind, I'll always ask them a question. Okay, I said, let's say you have three or four children and you're thinking, I just feel like giving up. And I said, now if I could take away all your troubles... But in doing so, you would lose all of your kids. Would, would you want to give up those troubles? And everybody says, no, I love my kids too much. I love my, and you know, and that's the way it is. I, I love my grandkids so much and my children so much that every, anything I, I would go through anything for them. I would die for them right now. And so if I look back in life and all the troubles and all the trials and all the tribulations are worth it for the love of just one of those children. And God looks at you and God says you are worth more than this entire world. And we need to understand that that this is, again, not just a social gathering place. This is a place where we're hoping 
uh, we'll make it good ground where people can come in and hear the gospel and see other Christian people living a good godly life and say, you know, that's what I want for my life. At our church, we've got people in our church that God has saved and God has changed their life. And they were, uh, we had people a few years ago, if you'd have saw them, you'd have never dreamed that they would be workers in a church. But now they're in church and they're serving God. Some of the best workers we have in our church. A few years ago were working in bars and playing in bars and things, but now they're saved. Now they're in church. Now they're doing things for God and doing things for our church and helping it grow. And we're seeing people's lives changed and hearts touched. And you know, all the trouble, it's not all easy, but it's worth it to see one person saved. There's a song, maybe you'll hear one of these days, it's called, If Just One More Soul Were to Walk Down the Aisle. It would be worth every trouble. It would be worth every trial. I think back to back when uh, September uh, 11th when uh, the Twin Towers were hit and those buildings came crashing down and I saw the uh, the firemen and the policemen going in and they're digging in that rubble just trying to save one more person. And folks, I think it's worth it. All the digging they did and all the struggle they went through and all the pain they put themselves through was worth it. Listen, if you were trapped under there, wouldn't you want them to keep digging for you? Amen. And I'll tell you what, the neighbors out here and the people in this town who don't know Christ, you need to get busy and try to understand the value of seeing one of them come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. We may not win everybody. But we ought to do our best to reach as many as we possibly can with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 12 verse 19 says, And I will say to my soul, So thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Here's a rich man who has everything. And now he says, You know, I've got so much, I'm just going to put it all away. And God says, You're going to die today, then what's that all going to be worth? You know, again, I don't know what happened to these men's souls. I know there are people who maybe didn't, haven't lived the exact life that they may have been saved. So I'm not trying to put these people down. But when I was a young man back in the 60s, one of my heroes, some of you will remember a fellow by the name of Elvis Presley. I liked Elvis Presley. I mean, he was... Uh, I used to wear my hair kind of like his, and I, you know, I, uh, I always wished I could sing like him. That never happened, unfortunately. But, uh, uh, but I, I, I always liked Elvis Presley, and, and the main reason I liked him was, and I liked how he did things because all the girls liked him, and I wanted all the girls to like me. You know, so I, I'd look at old Elvis, and I'd think, you know, boy, Elvis, I wish I could be like Elvis. But you know what? Oh, Elvis had kind of a rough life, didn't he? And it ended pretty sad, didn't it? And I knew a preacher who knew him that said at one time he had asked Jesus into his heart. I don't know that. I know this. If he died without Christ, he went to hell. And all that money and that mansion and all that fame meant nothing. And so guess what? I'm richer than he is. Because I have Jesus Christ in my heart. And even if he was saved, if he did go to heaven, he's not going to have a whole... I don't think his family is going to follow him. He probably won't see his daughter come. If he ever has grandkids, he won't see them come. But see, when I get to heaven, not only will I be there, I'll see Tom come one of these days. I'll see my grandkids coming one of these days. That's worth a whole lot more than that mansion down there in Tennessee. That's worth a whole lot more than the fame that he got from singing those songs. I think of a more modern person, Michael Jackson, who uh, was uh, very 
rich and powerful person, had more money than most of us could ever think, but, but he couldn't even go to sleep at night without drugging himself. None of them making fun of him. I'm feeling bad for him. How sad it is that he seems to have everything, but he really has nothing. And here I may not have a whole lot, but I have Jesus in my heart. And I can go to bed at night. And I know I'm going to wake up in heaven someday. And I'll guarantee you, whoever is in hell tonight, uh, they would give everything they ever own to have the opportunity you and I have right now. And so getting saved is very important. Reaching other people with the Gospel. We've got to understand the value of the cause that, that if we can just reach one more soul, it's worth everything. It's worth every child. Every once in a while, I'll get discouraged. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'll get down and discouraged. But then I'll, I'll look and I'll see people like Brother Krause. Jerry Krause just got saved here not that long ago at our church. He was a rough fellow. Boy, now he's out working on our bus routes. Out trying to reach people the gospel himself. I think about I could, I could name all kinds of others, and, and I look at those people. And today, I baptized three young ladies, and and I think about that. Here's some young people who got saved. Their families came to church today, and hopefully, we can reach them with the gospel. And when I get down and discouraged, I think if you know somebody, well, my children or somebody I love was trapped in a fire, I would do everything I could to try to get them out, no matter how tired I was. I wouldn't quit looking for them if they were lost. And we need to understand the value of our cause. Number two, we need to realize that victory has a cost. First Timothy chapter six verse eleven says, "But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses." God says, "You're in a battle." And listen, if you want to win a battle, guess what? You have to fight. And there's going to be a cost. We love freedom in America. Amen? But I'll tell you what, we better appreciate the people who fought for our freedom. Amen? Whenever I went to Washington, D.C., there were a lot of things I wanted to see when I went there, but I wanted to go to the graveyard where our soldiers were and look at all those white tombstones out there. And I think all of those men, because of the price they paid, I have freedom today. And listen, I salute our flag and I appreciate the people who fought for this country. I understand that there was a cost to our freedom. Unfortunately, we're living in a nation today where people think everything ought to be handed to them. We need to understand that it costs something to have freedom. It takes effort, it takes work, it takes labor. And we need to understand that if we're gonna if you're gonna have a good church, if you're gonna have a strong church, it's gonna take some labor. It's gonna take some effort. It's gonna take some fighting. You're gonna to have to believe it or not, there'll be people come in and want to try to make you like liberal churches. You don't want to do that. You want to stay true to the Word of God. You want to stay true to the things of God. You want to stay faithful to God. Listen, I'm not a, an expert on things, but I, I know this. I appreciate what our forefathers went through, and I think we ought to respect the Constitution of the United States. Amen. Amen. And I don't know what your political views are, but I, I just look at this, that if we want to get our economics better, we need to get our morals better. Because if we lose the blessings of God, that's why we lose our economic progress. And I wish somebody would start teaching some of our leaders that, that kind of stuff. But we've got to realize that it's, it's a fight. If we want to have freedom, guess what? We need to have an army, don't we? What would happen if America had no defense? What do you think would happen? 
tell you, Islam would come in here and they would take us over and they would destroy us. And we would all be enslaved by them. We have to have tanks and we have to have machine guns and we have to have missiles and we have to have airplanes and we have to have soldiers and we have to have leaders who will lead us in the right direction. And you need to understand that, that church uh, building a work for God is, is a, battle, a battle against the devil. Amen? The Bible says, don't you know that your enemy is as, as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. The devil wants to destroy you and he wants to destroy this church and he wants to destroy this nation. And I talked about this at our church this morning. One thing that you need to recognize, God uses every word in the Bible for a reason. And He said the devil's like a lion. Now, I don't know if you know this. I'm a hunter, so I've learned some of these things. If a grizzly bear comes after you, what do they tell you you ought to do? You're not going to be able to beat it up. You play dead. You fall down on the ground, you cover yourself up, because that grizzly bear, if he thinks you're dead, he'll leave you alone. But if a lion comes after you, what do you do? Okay, You scream, yes. <laughs> and you make yourself as big as possible. You scream, you yell, you pick something up, you fight. And if it comes after you, you don't play dead. You punch and I mean, it may kill you. But, but listen, you don't just... A, a lion is going... If it comes after you, it plans on tearing you apart. And God's saying that's the way the devil is. He wants to tear you apart. He wants to rip you up. And so you'd better be ready to fight. Listen, when I got, when I got saved as a young man and surrendered my life to the Lord, I, I went to uh, the church I went to. I had a great pastor. He was my uncle. had a great family. I saw what he had. And I saw the battles that he went through. And I, I knew someday, uh, I figured someday God would give me a wife and, and children. And I, and I heard guys like Dr. Green at that time. I think he'd been pastoring at his church for... Oh, 20 some years, and his wife had passed away, and he was raising his kids, but all of, all of his kids were saved. All of his kids were serving God, and I thought, I'm going to listen to that guy. Because that guy knows what he's doing. You know what? This 30, that was 30 some years ago, and brother, he's still at his church. 50 some years he's been at his church. All of his kids are still serving God. One of them's in heaven now. But you know, I looked at them, and I, I looked at the battle, and I thought, it's worth, it was worth all the trials to see him sitting here as a pastor today. It was worth all the battles to see my grandkids saved. It was worth all the trials. It is a battlefield, brother. Not a recreation room. It's a fight. And it's not a game. And you've got to understand, if you're going to make it in this life against the devil, you're going to have to fight. You don't want to just play dead. You don't want to just sit on the sideline. You've got to get in the battle and you've got to fight with everything you've got. Listen, that lion may tear me up if it comes after me, but I'm going to fight it with everything i got. Somebody may, if somebody were to come and try to attack my family, they may be bigger than me, they may be stronger than me, but I'm going to fight them with everything I've got. And listen, I'm not going to let the devil have my family. I'm not going to let the devil have my grandkids. I'm not going to let the devil uh, have my church. I am going to understand that victory has a cost. Uh, if we go to war, we're going to lose some people. Okay, There's going to be people die. That's why, I mean, it's a sad thing, but there will be. I mean, I, I, that's why I have so much respect for soldiers. Especially, I think about World War II. I, I watched some of those videos of those guys getting off those ships and those little boats and going up to the shore. and They're seeing bombs dropped and they're seeing their friends killed. And they still have the guts to get out and go run up on that beach. And you know, I'm, I'm amazed at those men. I am. I look, wow, that's, that's amazing that they had that. You know, and, and they're running along and maybe their best friend is right by and he gets shot. 
And they keep on going. They keep on fighting. And that takes courage, folks. That's not an easy thing. But you know what? In their minds, they're thinking, I'm fighting for my life. I'm fighting for my country. I'm fighting for my family. And I read the stories of these men who did miraculous, wonderful things to get these congressional medals of honor, and I'm amazed at them. You know, we need some Christians who understand that it's worth whatever the price is paid. You know, I think about it. There are a lot of young men laying in graves out there who never got to get married, who never got to have children. But you know what? They thought it was worth it so I could have that freedom. And we need to understand that it might be some work for you, it might be a battle for you. But if you can get somebody saved, some young person saved, and see their life change, it's worth that battle. It's worth that trial that you'll go through. I like the song says, I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them that love His appearing. Paul said, listen, I fought a good fight. And I don't have time to go into it, but you need to read all the things Paul went through. And he thought it was all worth it to see people saved. Then the third thing that you need to recognize if you're going to build a good work for the Lord, number three, respect the voice of the Creator. You've got to learn to listen to God Almighty. Proverbs 3, 1-6, through this is my kind of my life portion of Scripture that I've tried to build my life by. Uh, says this, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life, and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon thy table of thine heart. So shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. And He shall direct thy paths. You know how I can become the wisest man on earth? By listening to the wise God. I don't know all the answers. But all of them are in here. Amen. Amen. And if I want the answer, you know, it's like some, you'll go to a doctor when you're sick because you don't know how to treat it. And you'll listen. You'll take pills. Some of you trust doctors enough to lay down on the table and let them cut you open and go in there and take something out or put something in. And that's alright because you, you, you have to trust the doctor now and then. Why don't you trust God Almighty to believe what His Word says? Amen. Listen, there, there's times you're going to look at this and you're going to think, I don't know what to do. Go to this book. That's why we call ourselves independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist. I don't know all the answers, but I know where to find them. And I'm going to look in this book. And when I don't know, there's times I don't know exactly what to do, but I'll know that God, if God's against it, I'm against it. If God's for it, I'm for it. Real simple. I don't have to understand. There were times I told my kids, you can't do certain things. And I didn't explain to them why because they weren't quite ready yet to know. They had to trust their earthly father. And there's times God may not explain to us every reason why He doesn't want us doing certain things. But we've got to learn to trust our heavenly father. And do what He says. When He says it. How He says it. Well, it doesn't make me feel good. So what? So what? If I did everything that made me feel good as a kid, I'd probably be dead right now. And so would you. I was pretty stupid as a kid sometimes. I've got to be honest with you. Some of the things I did. It's a miracle I wasn't killed sometimes in in my life. There's times my parents told me what to do and I did it just because they said so. And then as I grew up and got older, I remember hearing my kids say some of these things when they were little. 
well, when I have kids, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do things different. And then they had kids and I started seeing them do it the same way I did it. <laughs> you know why? Because they found out that when you're the father, it's a lot different than when you're the kid. And there comes a point, we've got to trust our Heavenly Father. And we've got to do what He says, even though maybe we don't totally understand, we don't grasp everything, but we've got to trust in the Lord. Notice it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. So if we're going to build a work for God, it has to be done God's way. First Samuel 15.22 And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Building a work in your own way against the Word of God God's not happy with that. God wants you to do His work His way. Obey the voice of the Creator. There's an old song that says, some of you will remember this one too, I did it my way. When I leave this life, I want to be able to say it this way. I did it His way. If you do it your way, you're going to get in trouble. You do it God's way, things will turn out. Alright. That should be the desire of this church. That should be the desire of everyone sitting here tonight. If you're saved, you better be sure. If you think you're saved, you better be sure you're saved the Bible way. The Bible says, search the Scripture for in them you think you have eternal life. Make sure you did it God's way. Well, I had an experience, or I did what somebody else told me to. Make sure you did it God's way. If you're going to build a church, build it God's way. If you're going to build a family, build it God's way. Do, do a work for the Lord. Understand that me building my family is not just for me to have a good family, it's to be a blessing to God Almighty, to do what God wants me to do so God can use me and God can use my family. So I hope that God will build a great work here. And I believe He will. I believe He has a purpose and a plan. And I believe you're here at this time for a reason. That God looked down and He saw He said, I'm going to bring the right people here at the right time to build the right kind of work for Him. And I hope you'll understand that and you'll make up your mind that I am going to try my best. Even if I don't understand, I'm going to listen to the Word of God and I'm going to try to do things God's ways. We stand together with our heads bowed. All right, it's close.